0: Let's test it. You wanna talk into yours? Make sure it's working. Yeah, hi, I'm Irene. (laughs) Hi, you guys, it's Sarah Shook again, and we're here with another episode of I'm Shook, and I'm here with the
1: lovely Irene Marquette. Hi. And we shook, y'all. We are shook. (laughs) I was so shook I was shaken recently. Um I went to a juice place. Yeah. I want to I want to talk about something and uh I want to start with an anecdote that begins At a juice place. Yeah, this is kind of like a mystery podcast
0: because you're going to discover what it's about as we talk.
1: (laughs) Yeah, although I'm sure there'll be a title when we jump in. But I feel like it could be controversial. I'm like fully prepared to put my foot in my mouth. That's what this podcast is about: (laughs) being controversial. So, all right. (laughs) So I'm in this. I go to. I I was craving a juice. I wanted something with a lot of ginger in it. You know. Yeah, Yeah, like real gingery, uh, spicy surprise. And I I go in and um, Michael Jackson was playing in o- over the, the speaker. And it was startling, I have to say, to hear it. And I was standing there and I was like, oh my God. And then I start looking at the menu and then I'm listening to the song and it made me think about the documentary and it made me think about like, should we be playing this in public spaces? Mm-hmm. And the lady was like, hi, can I help you? And I said, um, I was like, I'm sorry. I'm just like, this music is like really distracting. And she was like, oh, uh-huh. She's just like very high. And, <laughs> and I ended up leaving because I, I was thinking about his crimes. And uh, I didn't want to, it it, made, it totally killed my appetite. And I, I drove on home. Yeah. He's a weird one, too, because he was the
0: king of pop. Yeah. And had this incredible music career. But I mean, if you think about his life and what we know about outside of that, I mean, Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah, it's terrible. Um, There's there are really there were some really amazing essays written about uh, about it around the time that the documentary came out, because like he is so influential and he's so important. To so many people, and like he shaped our culture. Like yeah. he, he majorly shaped our culture. So I wanted to talk with you, Sarah, Yay. <laughs> about um, how we like watch or listen to things made by people who were criminals, assholes, yeah. perverts, like uh, as we're lifting up the rug and like dusting out all of the crap underneath oh, <laughs> that's been like all lurking this whole time i can't believe the rug covered it this whole time <laughs> yeah right like
0: that's a good ass rug <laughs> Yeah. but yeah and it's a weird thing because it's like these are things that are revealed after the fact yeah like, they already created all this stuff and then it's like oh they were peeing on girls and holding them prisoner in their home and you know like our kelly that we talked about before this but um and then you're like oh shit i like I loved you know, remix to ignition and like Yeah, we all did. All of a sudden, like it he's he's this horrible manipulative person.
1: Yeah. Well and I think the thing is that it isn't just an all of a sudden thing. I think like part of what we're realizing is like our how complicit we are in in the narrative of this or like ignoring the narrative of it. Like that's what was so eye opening. Um about both of those documents. Did you watch both of them? I didn't watch the Michael Jackson
0: one, but I watched the interview with Gail King and um. Um, R. Kelly. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> um, I I did watch them both uh, surviving R. Kelly and uh, leaving Neverland. And it's punishing. And part of what is so like hard about it is that it happened in plain sight and that, like, neither of them really concealed what they were doing and like it was a joke that he married Aaliyah and like it was a joke that Michael Jackson like had little boys who were his friends so all that music was being made like while he was doing these things like brazenly getting away with as much as he could and now when I hear those songs I think about that I think about like dancing to it or singing along with it and that the whole time it's it's it 's going on, yeah. so like how do we support that how How can we, with a clear conscience uh, play that in a freaking juice place? you guys I know, and there that's it gets very muddy
0: when we 're still i guess celebrating their art because in a way it 's like well, we celebrated it before, and are we just compartmentalizing the artist and the art that they created and taking like their personal life and their I guess so-called criminal life um, away from that and are we just enjoying the artist part of them Um, because they could be two very different people because if they're troubled people you know it informs the art I don't know if it informs the art but maybe it's like this it's almost feels like this other half of them where it's like, this is where I get to be my true self in my art and like my passion and express that. But in my personal life in my family life, I'm still dealing with this very troubled part of me that I don't know how to deal with. And so I molest kids or, you know, have sex with underage women, whatever it is.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, like uh, I, I, I feel like the place to exercise those demons is, through art like that is the job of it like to process it so you don't have to be a monster in like your personal life like Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if it's out there but I feel like I have never read anything like this about David Cronenberg and he makes like the most nightmarish like perverted movies or David Lynch like it seems whatever demons they have they're like leaving on the canvas so to speak yeah (laughs) which i think is
0: a good thing too but it's also like i mean we've been in the improv in the comedy world where it's like i've seen stand-up where it's like oh this person is just like laying it all out right now because they need to like work through something yeah which it can be great but it's also like
1: okay but also go talk to a therapist? Yeah. Like, yes. <laughs> totally. Because yeah. it's about the transformation of those ideas into something creative or into something beautiful. Like yeah. that's the great potential with that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I, I I'm I'm not um <laughs> uh, things are getting really cloudy in in my head right now because we were I, I don't I don't want to um it's not okay to just like transform that stuff and like make something like yeah y- you can you can't hurt people like we're we're saying across board bad, yeah,
0: yeah, and I think you know, but the art comes from a human being, and if the human being hasn't dealt with things and I guess at least knowing about like Michael Jackson and you know reading things about how he'd be an- hotel rooms with his dad and his brothers, and uh, Jackson yeah. I and mean, dad is like fucking women in front of him, yes. and I'm just like, what a traumatic experience to go through, and to also have so much pressure. This is another thing that comes up is like, this pressure to be famous and to be great at such a young age has got to be insanely traumatizing, and I think some people get muddied with like um, fame versus art, which uh, that that's problematic for me where it's like um, you know you have your dad or whoever pushing you because they want the money they need the success when you're just like I just want to do this for fun and it just twists your brain and like twists like your power in a way that you don't have that control over it anymore
1: yeah i think when you're dehumanized it uh makes it really hard for you to see other people as human beings like if you're a product it's like i think that's part of also what's so dangerous about just the commodification of people or like the obsession with branding like Mm -hmm. that um it's it takes the humanity away and uh, reading about Olivia Jade, the uh, Lori Laughlin's daughter. Um, oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. I haven't read anything about it, but so you can enlighten me.
1: Okay, so you know that they lied to get her into USC and yes. like uh, staged all these photos and stuff. And Lori Laughlin is just incredible. She She's like... she. I feel like she's living a fantasy that is not... Um, that seems like very disconnected from the reality that she has. Like... And, and I feel like the prosecutors keep coming back with harsher um, charges against her. And uh, I feel like she thought they were bluffing and they came back with more. It's like, oh, it's so, it seems, they just seem so dumb and so um, like absurd. But Olivia Jade, uh, her daughter, who's like an, an uh, influencer, she said something along the lines of, um, I just want to get back to rebuilding my brand. It's like, and I it thought sucks. you you have like this family crisis. Like this yeah. is your fam. Like your your mother is going to go to prison, and like y- she knew that this was happening. That they were like breaking the law for her. Yeah, and her like, who knows if it's her first concern, but like. The thing that is printed is, I just want to get back to rebuilding my brand. And I thought, oh, girl, you're like a person too, and yeah. like who's like taking care of your like spiritual well being? Like what are what are you what are you? Do? It's such a perversion of I don't know, like being alive. <laughs> it, is. it makes me so sad for for her and 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 uh because she's thinking of herself as as a product and like her the value um like her 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 value is in like followers and like the strength of of her branding
0: yeah yeah and it's
1: dehumanizing
0: it is completely dehumanizing and destructive and um I mean, I think about Britney Spears. Mm. Someone just told me a friend of mine, Lily Sullivan, free Britney. <laughs> I love. Um. I know. Yeah, about the free Britney movement and how like her managers and her family have a contract where like they basically control her and yeah. they, she has to do whatever they say. But she started at such a young age. When was she like seventeen, eighteen, or something like that? And. Um, became this icon and you know then we watched her demise of like the shaved head and all this stuff and like you can tell she's probably still dealing with all this destructiveness yeah and again it's like this thing about celebrity and fame and I don't know these families being like oh you have a talent and you have a gift and just shoving it on you and pushing you and like trying to make it rapid and fast and like it happens with athletes and it's like if you have a good arm or like you're fast it's like oh he can do this she can do this like let's push them because we need them to be successful and they have something that we think is better than other people and I I've I've seen it happen in people I know like it's 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 horrible and see how they deal with it nowadays even if they aren't like professional doing it they may not even do it anymore but like It it sticks in your body.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I read Andre Agassi's um, memoir uh, a while ago and uh, he grew up in Las Vegas Mm -hmm. and his father made him like, you know, be in the sun hitting balls for like 12 hours at a time when he was a child. And it was so sad to read, but he's great, right? Yeah, I mean, that's the
0: thing. And it's like, do you find that balance of like, okay, you're great. Let's have you practice, like maybe having a conversation with a child. Do you want to do this? And I'm sure as a child, they're like, I guess, sure. But I don't know. Um, yeah, it's it's a tricky thing. And yeah. as parents, I can see like, oh, my kid is talented in this. Like I want to have them be able to achieve and have a great life because of it. But it's also like pumping the brakes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's a, like you said
1: that, that's weird because yeah, they he is great. <laughs> yeah. But, um, at what cost? I don't know. At what cost? So we're talking. Uh, we're we're talking about thing about art that is made by problematic people. Yes. People um, that should be canceled. Yes. Do we cancel everybody? Is it realistic? Yes
0: and no. I do think, say this comes out, like, I'm just gonna use an example of like Kevin Spacey or something. Part of me is just like, just say, yes, I did that. It was however long ago, I haven't done it since, but I am so deeply apologetic about it and I wanna be a different person. Please give me the opportunity to do that. And then we can give them the opportunity. But like,
1: I don't know. yeah, we're talking about like actually like making amends and like being sorry and yeah, he seems too far gone. Did you watch his, um, that video that he put out? Mm-mm. I didn't either. Uh, I guess he did it as his character from House of Cards, which admittedly I never have watched. Wait, what? <laughs> What? I've never watched House of Cards? No, I mean, he put out like an apology video or something
0: as his character? I don't
1: know that it was an apology. I don't know what it was. I think it was the day that like a big expose came out about him. And uh, yeah, people were sharing it. And I made an active choice not to watch it. Yeah. Because, I don't know, it just felt like something extra toxic. Mm Mm-hmm. That being said, I did. I have watched *L.A. Confidential* within the last year. I did too. Really? Yeah, that movie's really great. I think it it, it holds up, um, and uh, it's like, I think Griffin came in the room and I was watching it, and he was like, "Oh, Kevin Spacey, yikes!" It's like, yeah, but I, I, don't know. I wanted to watch it.
0: Yeah, to me, I'm like, I don't know if boycotting all of like their art that they've created and like is the right move. I don't know what the right move is, but it feels like going all the way to the other side is still, it's still putting that like hate out there. And I feel like all of this, I mean, you know me, I'm all woo woo, so like, (laughs) um, it's an energy of like, okay, we're shifting things, but it's also like, we can, this person may have done things that are awful and problematic and criminal or whatever, but they, have been through traumatic things as well at least some of them but um
1: there's there's empathy there. yeah. yeah you're talking about empathy yeah yeah and
0: it, if it's like all this hate like how do you expect them to evolve like i was watching this interview on um espn with the guy who oh my god he used to own the clippers i think it was a couple years ago and he came out and made all these racist comments Ooh. about like the players and stuff i think it was the clippers Anyway, so he got let go and there was these phone calls or whatever that he had had and his wife like released them. I'm not getting (laughs) the story correct, but she basically like sold him out as like being this racist bigot and he was. And um, it's been like two and a half years and you would think in that time, he's like, okay, I have this time to reconcile and to like really dig deep and like find myself again and be apologetic. And he came back and did this interview on ESPN and just like goes off about Magic Johnson and how, cool. like, basically making racist comments about him and how he's like, how do you that guy? He's gonna be like the new owner and he's gonna do all this stuff. He had AIDS, and like just saying all this stuff. And um, what's his face? The Silver Fox, <laughs> Anderson Cooper, Rick Coop- Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anderson Cooper was interviewing him, so maybe it wasn't ESPN. But um, and he's just like um, he goes, well. I don't think it was full blown AIDS. I think he just had HIV, and, like, and he's just like, I don't even oh, know what to say my right now. God. It, but for him, I'm like, I don't have that much compassion. I guess I'm like, what happened to you? No, you have to draw a line. Yeah, you became insanely rich and like greedy or whatever else, and you know had such like ego that you can't have compassion for other people. So. But I'm not going to release all this like hate comment or anything about him. Yeah,
1: I'll <clears> just <throat> talk about him on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that there's like a balance to be struck with um, uh, keeping like toxic stuff away from you, but also acknowledging like people have their reasons. Things, you know, whatever you can you can excuse anything, but. At a certain point, you do have to hold people accountable. Absolutely. And for me, I think it's. Um, I I've been trying to put more things in, like, so okay, every every movie that any of us loved in the '90s that was touched in some way by Harvey Weinstein is like has like the black finger of corruption on it. Yeah. We like we can't escape that. I. In. The, Instead of like, I, uh, and and we can talk about that. Like, I love a lot of those movies and I, um he, he did a lot of great work and I hope that he's in prison for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. And I hate that he is using his lawyer to like intimidate these women. And oh. he's still just like being such a fucking dick, like an unrepentant asshole. Him, like all these guys, like I never want to see or hear from them again, they they also, like, he in particular, like, fostered amazing work. Like, there's great work. So, okay, I'm trying to expose myself to people that I didn't know about before. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of, or maybe not a lot, but there are women who were writing and directing movies that we never heard of because these guys had more clout and, like, were uh, bigger personalities and were promoted more and like got chance after chance. So there are, you know, there's all these like mediocre men, these uh, who uh, get chance after chance when there are like amazing women or people from other countries who are putting out work that deserve, like maybe in this moment they they can get more of our attention there was a great series that um griffin uh told me about that we he went to like all of it um and and i went to a handful of them but uh there was a book that came out called liberating hollywood by this woman um she's like a film scholar like a feminist film scholar and she's trying to uh she's like creating a canon of like these were the women in the 70s who were writing and directing films and it's like Mm -hmm. a like a piece of scholarly literature intended for college like curriculums because nothing like that really exists. Like we're not in, we're literally not in the history books and there are women who were making things and commenting on things. And uh, UCLA did a film series in conjunction with the book. So it was like a lot of double features, women I'd never heard of before. And it was awesome to go see those films and, see you know the movies that there's this um uh there was a woman who was writing and directing and her husband was self-distributing these movies she and it's like i didn't know about yeah i i just like didn't know about her yeah yeah so i'm it's i'm trying to like balance that out in in my own head uh that's that's how I'm approaching it. Well, I think it's balancing out in like oh,
0: the whole like universal sense in yeah. society. And I'm gonna get like spiritual for a second, but I was listening to this thing the other day that was basically saying like we lived in um, in like you know whatever the 1600s, 1800s, whatever. It was a time of like the men go out and they work and they hunt and they provide and whatever else, and that's what they do, and the women stay home and they take care of the children and they cook and like take care of the home and that was the roles and that's how it was like balanced in those days and that's how it worked and there was a sort of balance in terms of society but not in terms of like um people where it was like it was just a masculine energy and it was just a feminine energy but it worked together because it created that balance for both but then world war ii and the great depression happened and it forced women to take up roles that men had because the men weren't there and couldn't do it and they, it was this realization of like oh we can do this and we want to do this so then from there it like was this whole movement of women being like i want to direct I wanna like be a filmmaker, I wanna own a business, I wanna do this and that. And it was this like fight back because now more masculine energy was being created in order for them to move forward and it was this loss of like a feminine energy and I know I talk about the rise of feminine energy in another episode, but um, now it's like, well this, it had to rise up like that in order for the female to come back in. So now that energy is to be balanced out in just like the, the being of ourself. So we're supposed to have both now as opposed to just one or the other. And it feels like all of this with like Weinstein or like Michael
1: Jackson or whatever is coming up to help balance that out. Yeah, that's a really cool way to look at it. Yeah. I I always feel like um, things have never been that binary. And even like I feel like even going back to hunter gatherer days I I think that they had more um I don't think that they were as strict with this stuff and I think it's like the beginning of I think it's like as rules and uh culture and doctrine and religion all this stuff put us into these boxes that I don't yeah. think is natural for human beings cuz even looking right. at the animal world like who who does the hunt like the lionesses do all the hunting like they're the fierce like protectors of the pride you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) and like the lions like chill out and relax like and uh i was listening to a podcast about how um like bird courtship rituals, like the way the male birds, um, try to create a, like there are these certain birds in the Amazon, uh, who create like a little nest for the woman to, um, like the female bird to sit in Uh and observe the male from a safe distance. Uh So it's like, uh, you know, he like puts on his show and he's like built this, um, you know, bachelor pad for this lady to like (laughs) sit in and then she can back out of it and, uh, like, the the whole... Like, he cannot take advantage of her. It's purely her choice. It's something that's set up to, like, be her choice. And they were talking in this podcast about whether or not, um, like, uh, whether or not females' preference for, like, beauty and aesthetics have uh, guided evolution. It was really interesting. Uh, and I've been listening to Sapiens, too, and they talk, they're talking about a lot of this stuff. I just feel like it's all we like we have so much more inside of us than just like you know pink and blue right (laughs) and i
0: think that's evening out and i think this feeds into like this art piece of it because you know the stuff that's coming up it's like these men at least were fed this role and this like um and i think it came from men before them of like fathers or whatever of like yeah
1: you will be successful and you will push this and this is what it is and um, it's the role of like deserving like you deserve yes. all of this stuff and like what you deserve is not just limited to you know like earthly treasures it's also like other human beings like everything here is to serve you like you are the king like you're the man you're the king like you deserve everything yeah and these guys get in these positions of power and nobody tells them no and they think that like everything is an object everything has a price tag on it and um nothing has like true value so they just take advantage of whatever they can because they're empty and broken inside yeah and like they think they deserve it all. Yeah, so fuck them. But also, like we can't erase the stamp that they put on our culture and the like it's it's all about evolution and progress moving forward and like how do we take all this like toxicity and the moments where these evil people made something beautiful? Like how do you reconcile that in in your own mind? You know, like that's something I real I think about a lot. Yeah,
0: and I think one thing that, and we've kind of already touched on it, that it teaches us and that we can learn from it is the cause of these things. And so like, maybe when you hear the Michael Jackson song next time, instead of being like, I can't listen to this, I'm not saying you did anything <laughs> wrong because you didn't, but like, you know, it'd be like, okay, well, I have compassion for this person and, um this is him doing something that he got to love and it's probably the one thing in his life that he got to do that he really loved and that he felt himself in and to celebrate that part of it and to have compassion for the other parts where it's like he was so troubled and yes it's horrible that like he molested kids or and had this tortured life but it came he was never taught another way and he was never helped to get out of that mindset or you know to act a different way and to instead look at it from a different point of view I guess and it's teaching us about that.
1: Yeah I think that that's a help that's like a very um like altruistic uh way to approach that in like a self-preserving way I think to to, as well but I sometimes it's it's hard for me to get there because Mm -hmm. I also think like He's an adult, and he was surrounded by adults who, like, allowed this to happen. Like, it's not just one person. It's a whole, like, systematic mm-hmm. failure, and it's a network of um, yes-men who don't have, like, the moral fortitude to to say, actually... Um, this is wrong like you mm-hmm. why like the person who rigged the cameras going down the hallway and like so oh. yeah so that he would be alerted if someone was coming into the bedroom when he was doing whatever with oh. a little child like you don't get uh, that's what if i'm in a juice place and i hear that and i did say to the uh the this the stoned teenager and <laughs> the thing like this is very jarring to hear And I know like she didn't have any control over that, but just like it's a business's right to play the music, like it's everybody's right, it's also my right to be like, I don't want to shop here. Absolutely. I don't want to dance here. I also would never dance, to the, not saying, I don't know, the Ying Yang twins did anything wrong, but anytime I was ever out dancing and and uh, Beat the Pussy Up came on, I would be like, I'm gone. I can't dance to yeah, this. Well, the, what's the message in that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where do you see my dick, bitch? No, oh, thank you. Yeah. I will be seated for this tune. I know. Well, that's another whole art yes. thing that's
0: problematic for me about like what it's preaching. And I'm just like, Ugh.
1: Yeah, and I don't think that, like, it's not the role of art to educate always, like, and and it's not a, uh, a guide to live your life, but, like, what are you putting out into the world? Yeah. It's like, you have a right, you have a right to make us a, a, a number one hit song that says, wait, do you see my dick, bitch? But, like, <laughs> I don't want to dance to it. And it's like, is it a joke? Maybe it's I I don't know. I, I, I've never really, I this think is the most I've thought about it. <laughs> Yeah.
0: But I think, too, it's like that's like when this like feminine comes in more, it's like there's going to be less and less of that, I think.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Maybe.
0: Hopefully. (laughs) Yeah. There's going to be hopefully like more depth to stuff that we're doing. And like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I just watch things and I'm like, what was the point of that? Or I'll listen to something and I'm like, okay, this didn't make me feel any sort of way except like grossed out or violated.
1: <laughs> yeah, do you think that there should be trigger warnings on movies?
0: <clears throat> um. I don't know. And we touched on this before we talked, but I think there kind of is already by saying like, at least on TV you see like TV and it will say like MA or whatever for like mature and it'll have like Game of
1: Thrones you watch and it's like it contains nudity it contains all this so it's like extreme sexuality yeah. I only watch shows that have extreme sexuality <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I'm like, that's kind of your trigger r- warning, right? Yeah, uh, I think that um no, I think I think it would be more specific than that. I think it'd be like this show contains um scenes of rape or uh um, like murder or child abuse or things of that nature. I think things that um yeah would be I, I am mixed
0: on that because I think there are some people, like if I You know, told my mother like, hey, you should watch this movie's great, but there's this scene. She probably wouldn't watch it, and I would, you know, be like, great, don't, because you're going to be affected by that in a certain way that like, I just don't think she could handle it. And like, um, whereas me, I don't know. There's something about it where I'm like, okay, maybe because I am an artist, I'm just like, well, this happens. Should it happen? No, but like, it's something we should know about or like be aware of it, it's a I don't know I'm mixed about it
1: yeah yeah I feel like um I ideas don't scare me mm-hmm. I think uh I uh and and I don't um I don't look to art to feel comfortable and I think like it's the risk of being exposed to other people's raw emotions like you don't know what you're going to get. And like, there have been things that I've read or I've watched where I've been like, Oh my God, I had no idea. But uh, it's also like the discovery and the context of like what it is. That's, that's everything. Yeah. I feel like we evolution is so necessary and, I don't want to wa- I mean those early Game of Thrones episodes are fucking bonkers. Like it's yeah. crazy the stuff that they did. And the conversations people were having like did Jamie rape his sister? Yes, he yeah. did. It doesn't matter that the showrunners don't know what that is. Like the- <laughs> it's so it's crazy. It's so crazy. <laughs> yeah. But uh so I'm I'm all for like general evolution and like thoughtfulness uh but I also am like when it comes to ideas or creativity I feel like I'm an anarchist like everything is fair game and I like things that are personal and raw and like I I'm, I'm I'm interested in um I don't know like feeling things when I watch or am Absolutely. exposed to stuff so I don't want something coming in between me and that I don't I don't want to buffer For that and I might be rare case but yeah I don't know I don't either maybe there should be like an
0: option when you watch something for like older people who (laughs) (laughs) or younger people I think it's a lot of younger people that too yeah I wouldn't want to watch a movie that like I didn't know it had a rape scene in it and like say I had a daughter and she's Nine and we watch it and I'm like,
1: oh, cover oh, your shit. eyes, yeah, leave the room. I'm like, you should know about this, but like, not today, not like this, and not right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a very fair point. Yeah, yeah, my sister and I have um, argued about this. I should say probably not in person. I think it was like a text message argument. And she was like, to be clear, I do not stand for the censoring of art. <laughs> Which is how I heard her voice. Sorry, Vicky, if you hear this. <laughs>
0: but I think so, too. Like, when you go to, say, watch a movie or, like, you're going to a museum to see a certain artist, you're probably going to, like, read a little bit about it or you'll see a preview. And it's like... You kind of know what you're getting into, right? Sometimes you do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you don't. What's the uh, what? Have you seen anything recently that like really disturbed you? Um.
0: No, but like this is one movie that comes to mind. In The Hills Have Eyes, I haven't seen it, but I people talk about it all the time because there's like unnecessary rape scenes in Mm. it where it's just like these monsters like rape these girls. And it's just like, yeah, grotesque and awful. And I'm, I don't know. I haven't seen the movie, so I can't speak to it. And I think that's probably the reason why I haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, but I also took this class in college, and it was called Sexuality in the Cinema,
1: and we watched um, probably all movies by men. <laughs> I would love to see the syllabus. I'm getting so mad and I don't, you haven't even finished. I'm sorry,
0: Sarah. Like the Eyes Wide Shut,
1: Eyes Wide Shut was in it. Oh, I just watched that. We went to see a midnight screening a couple weeks ago. Oh, really? Yeah. Put a pin in that. I want to talk about <laughs> okay. it. Okay. And then um, we, there was all
0: these movies from different countries. The Piano Teacher was one. Oh, okay. Which I fell in love with. Um, Jane Campion. Um, am I thinking, or maybe it was the Piano, I forgot. I thought it was a Piano Teacher, but um, Isabella. Um, Uber,
1: Michael Hanukkah. I don't even remember the name. She cuts up her yon. Yes. And then she wants the guy to rape her. Yes. And then he doesn't, she's like, oh no, that's not what I wanted. Spoiler alert. Sorry, Ah! trigger warning. Yeah, which
0: that was crazy, but the craziest one, I don't even remember the name of it. I think it was like Germany or something that made this film, and it was like about these like Vikings on a ship and they're like having sex in like food products and like all this stuff. And I was like, what is the point of this? And the teacher is just there like, huh, huh. like he's like, ah, they're watching it. <laughs> and I like sat in the front row because I was, I was you know, a, a nerd and like for every class and just wanted to learn as much as possible. And um, he would always like be like, uh, we got our front row seat here. <laughs> she's trying to take it all in. I'm like, Ew. no, I'm just trying to learn. But like, that was the one movie where I'm like, okay, they're like fucking in a bin of mashed potatoes. And like, then they like rub it all over each other. And like in, I guess it's like an exploration of like sex, but I, that was the one where I'm like, what is the point of this?
1: I, you've given some good context clues, and I look (laughs) forward to finding out what this movie is. I need to, I'm gonna find out what it is, and I'm gonna let you know. (laughs) (laughs) The piano teacher, I read that book. Really? By a woman, an Austrian woman, and it is fucked up. She writes a lot of really like bleak, messed up books. Yeah. And uh I thought I thought it was really good. I really um yeah, it's that's that's a dark a dark journey. It is, but Isabella Hubert does amazing acting in it. Yeah. <laughs> she's incredible. She's always so good. Um and she's funny too. Yeah. She's, uh yeah. Why have you seen Something recently that you're like Yeah, I saw this movie Climax. Have you heard of this? Uh-uh. Gasper Noe, he's a French filmmaker. Um he did a movie called Irreversible. He's a provocateur. He likes to really go super hard and alienate people. And I feel like this was his most accessible movie and uh <laughs> it's It's about a dance troupe in like the mid 90s, and it starts with this like beautiful, um, like dance sequence that goes into like a one shot scene that's like 15 minutes long. It's like the choreography of the whole thing is really cool and really great, but it all takes place in one night. Somebody spikes their punch with LSD, and uh, it becomes like pure hell like they're in this um like abandoned school basically and they're living in there and the party space is in there and somebody has a child of course and it's just like it goes from bad to worse to worse to worse and it is it's nightmarish and uh it's very disturbing in a way that like really got under my skin and I think it was the tone and the atmosphere and the mood of it and just like the the claustrophobia it, it it was a great horror movie in in that way like a psychological thriller but um yeah he really touched on something very ugly and it's yeah. not even it's not any one action that happens and like there's a lot of awful stuff that happens Uh, But it's just like being in that headspace for so long and like the feeling of being trapped and how realistic all of it was. It really it like made my skin crawl and walking out of the theater into the night. I wanted I wanted a cigarette for the first time in years (laughs) and I wanted to like take a long like cold shower (laughs) and then it really stuck with me for um for like a week afterwards and even as I'm talking about it now like I'm seeing images in my mind from it And it's like oh god yeah so gross
0: and I think sometimes that's what art needs to do is like and that's the point of it is to take it to like an extreme maybe to express what you're trying to express and like You know, a lot of times with comedy, it's like, well, you have to exaggerate in order for it to, like, really hit home and, like, get the laugh. Um, It's an exaggerated life.
1: Um, Uh, You bring up something, and I want to ask your opinion on this. Do you think, thinking about improv classes and and comedy and, like, this heightened version of life and it's, like, really tapping into a primal part of your brain that I think... um, can be like subconscious, like the subconscious I think can come out, especially with people who haven't like fully learned to harness their skills yet, like Uh early, like younger classes. Do you think that, um, how censored do you think that those classes should be? Do you think that there are taboos, things that should be off limits, uh, places that people should not go? Do you have like an example of things? Mm, More of like a general question. Um, well, I think that,
0: uh, cause I feel like I've witnessed what you're talking about and seeing like n- newer people. And I'm sure I maybe did it when I was new too and not realizing like, oh, I can't talk about this sort of thing or like say that. But, um, I think in a space like that, it's the teacher or the coach or whoever like has to make an awareness but also create the safe space that like if it does happen to not make the person feel like um, they're a a Harvey Weinstein criminal (laughs)
1: like they're
0: Michael Jackson (laughs) and again like give them the opportunity to be like hey we can't do something like you can't talk about that and like give them the opportunity to either change their point of view or rectify it and then if it happens again it's like that's a an issue of like You know whether it's like they're doing an improv scene and um he maybe forces himself on a girl like pretending or whatever says some things
1: yeah you know what i mean well and there's a lot of ways that you can like force yourself on somebody in an improv and like not talking even about like like a sexual assault situation but in terms of um like physically moving somebody Mm -hmm. or uh like physically silencing somebody i remember there was a guy once who like put his hand over a woman's mouth and i was like no, like, let's stop this right here. It's a weird, like, it's a balance and it's like a nuanced thing. Like, there's no, like like anything we've been discussing today, like, there, you can't come up with a set of rules that you stick to every single time because everything's so different. It's all so personal. It's like coming from people's own personal experience and they're trying to transform their experience into something creative. And that's like, that can be a really wonky process. Yeah. and And I feel like, People, like the freedom to explore in those safe places should be sacred and it should be a learning thing anytime i had a a person uh say or do something really that i like i would consider off the wall i, I would try to remain stoic like as a teacher and try to just be like really instructive about it like and mildly shaming like like did you feel how your classmates reacted to yeah. that, like, how did you feel about, like, okay, you said this thing. How did everybody react? Oh, it was dead. I thought it would be funny, and it was dead silent. Yeah, so if, if you want to alienate the audience, you, now you know what to do. Yeah. But now that you've done it, now you know, like, you have other options. There's other, like, we don't want to make people feel like this. I feel like it's, a, a, I don't know, a valuable thing to fall on your face Especially, like, what a gift to do it in a classroom setting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And
0: I think you have to. And that's all a part of, like, the artist process is, like, finding your voice. And in order to find that, you have to fall on your face. You have to, you know, probably make some wrong turns that you didn't expect. And you just have to pick yourself up and move on. And one other thing I would say about, like, that setting, like, a classroom or a coach setting and, like, that happens. Say, like, I, like put my hand over your mouth or something and you felt violated and the teacher didn't say anything. Well, you also have to like be accountable for that and say something. And, um, like I remember one time in a scene, I think like I was improvising and I made a fat joke and I was like, and it was to create a scene. And I was just like, and immediately when I said it, I was just like, Oh no, 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 no. I shouldn't have done that. And the next day for, Rehearsal. the the director like brought it up and I go, I completely agree. I don't want that to be part of it. And I apologize. I shouldn't have said that. And like, I go, we need to change it to something else. And like, cool. I, it like got a laugh, but I also was like, no, I can't like use that just because it's a laugh. And I'm promoting something that's not good or correct. And
1: yeah. Yeah. And there's all those different types of laughs too. And it's like, what kind of, yeah, you don't you don't want uh, to have the audience react in a way that, like, makes somebody feel bad. Yeah. Yeah, that's
0: great that you spoke up about it. Yeah, so I think the realization is on everybody. And I think even when, if you're the person who makes that move, like, as myself, if I put my hand over your mouth in a scene and told you to shut up, like... I feel that too.
1: Unless you're kidnapping me or something, yes. and it's like part of this great theme yeah. that we have. Again, it's all like context. It all depends. Yeah. But if you're like playing my secretary and you like <laughs> say,
0: "I have your coffee,"
1: and I'm like, "Shut, Shut up!" Shut up! Yeah, yeah. Where are my <laughs> boys? Get my boys in here. Uh, the craziest thing I ever saw. One of the craziest things I ever saw as a teacher was this. Uh, it was, they were a couple. I hope they're listening. And I, <laughs> girl, I hope you're free. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were college students and we were doing one of those like um, like you know, one person starts a scene and then two people come in and like or then like what is it called? There, it's like a pyramid or something. A person enters, and now it's you start with two, then it's three, then three it's four. four that, yeah, 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 and then like you get up to the top, and then like people leave, and you go the back to the deal. Is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. So we were we were doing that. Uh, not that that is important at all, except to just demonstrate how much I've forgotten. Yeah, that was mainly for us. <laughs> yeah, thank yeah. you, <laughs> <Any> improvisers listening. <laughs> no, what's up? Um, uh, but this, the, there was uh, this young woman in the class, and she came. Like when the scene transformed she was on the floor and it went back to the old scene and the boy who was her boyfriend uh, For no reason she started to speak and he moved across the stage and sat on her mouth to shut her up And I was like you got to be kidding me with this That was a day that I think I did shame. Oh But you know what I stand by it. That was a crazy move and the fact that you see that, I think it is this like old
0: energy that like that comes from, and this like old traditional thinking and teaching that
1: it comes from. Because I don't feel like it happened. My cat is going insane yeah, really right now cute. with her ball. And it's crazy because like those that like those other generations um, yeah, like also created like things that we can't even imagine. Like I feel like they made such creative leaps forward yeah. and uh we're like we're studying their their work like especially yeah. like in in improv like looking at what people were doing in like the 90s can you imagine how sleazy that whole world must oh, have I been know. and yet like they were making things that inspired us and made us like even want to go do that to begin with like that's part of that's part of the whole thing in in a in a way. Yeah. And like I, to just tie it back to the uh like the the talk about like these filmmakers or or whatever. And not I don't I don't think we know anybody who's like a Harvey Weinstein. No. <laughs> and I
0: think that's all we can take from it is like cool they did do some good work and now I'm going to use that and I'm going to let it empower me and as a woman I'm going to do some good work too. And I can take a little bit of what they did but I'm going to bring my own voice to it and then people can be inspired by us. Yeah,
1: that's like that I feel like that's the evolution of it. Like it's it's all we we can't be like looking in the rearview mirror, you mm-hmm. know? Like we're driving forward. Like this we we have, like, the legacy of of all of these things, and now, like, we have the opportunity to build on it. And I think, like, I, I would hope that these guys are learning from that. Like, I wish that, man, if Woody Allen had um, taken some kind of accountability at some point, mm-hmm. instead of, like, to, I mean, that's a whole can of worms. I don't even want to... I'm sorry, I even... That's like like, a whole podcast in and of itself. I know, I know. It's like... And yet he just stubbornly continues to make movie after movie after movie and, like, puts this um, pressure on his young... Like, the... The cast members who, like Timothy Chalamet, has to come out and be like, "I'm really, I'm sorry that I did this movie. I'm donating." All my yeah, he's like, "How is Tim, like Timothy Chalamet is like responsible for the sins of Woody Allen?" Like, know. life is absurd. It's insane,
0: <laughs> and, and but you look at his body of work too. Timothy Chalamet? No, uh, Woody Allen's, <laughs> and it's like you can watch that, and I'm like, you see him working through his shit in his work. Oh. But yeah. I don't think it's get worked through. <laughs> it's like, no, no, it's indulged. Yeah. And he's indulging himself. But like, I see this like pain or whatever this mindset is that he has in his work. For and sure. I think, again, I'm like, wow, I have compassion for your troubledness, but also like, you gotta do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why a lot of artists are attracted to art and like,
1: because it's like a free, it's a free pass to um, like put your perversions on display, and it's, (laughs) I think, uh, like it it can and should serve that purpose. Like again, the Cronenberg or David Lynch thing, like they are working through whatever evils of humanity they, like the evils that they see in the world, like the, like how perverse their view of humanity is, they are transforming it into something creative and amazing. And it seems like those tendencies have not touched their personal life. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, like maybe, maybe, maybe something would come out and uh, prove me wrong, but I feel like it, w- we would have heard by now, especially considering how their art is, like it's, Yeah. I don't know, you can't have it both ways, yeah. you can't be Marquis de Sade, he was in jail, you know, he was in prison <laughs> for being the asshole that he was. And then he wrote plays and people are like, he's a genius. Yeah. And now it's like in the erotica section. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> so, it's like, what? It, I, I feel like there's just like a lot of, um, there's a lot, it's a very complicated, nuanced, uh, thing that, you know, we all kind of have to come to terms with. We can't just like delete the world that came before us and build something better. Like it's, we, we, all, we carry all of that stuff with us into the present. So, like, all right, we've got it. We've all grown up with this stuff. We all have, like, the baggage of, of, of this. We've, you know, been pumping, like, the beautiful music of sex offenders into our brains for the last 30, 40 years, whatever. Mm-hmm. How, like, we, we can't pretend that that didn't happen. We have to, like, evolve and move forward yeah the percentage of women who have gotten artwork through like the rigorous test of history it's it's like one percent of one percent of like what's actually out there, yeah. and you have to really dig for it like if you want to read female medieval writers, they're out there, but there's like three of them you yeah. know like there were women creating stuff in ancient Greece, but nobody thought it was important enough to like you know, commit it to history. So when we're like reevaluating this and like, like we're, you know, we're moralizing so much as, as a culture <laughs> that's like, that's a casualty of being the only gender that got work through. Like, yeah. y- like you're under this, you guys are under the spotlight, but you've, you've been able to write the, tail for so long yeah because you've been in the spotlight for so long
0: yeah yeah Yeah. move over give me the spotlight we're making history now hon (laughs) Uh yeah
1: babe get in the kitchen i need an empanada (laughs) (laughs) um well yeah do you feel like you have any like final thoughts tropes questions not at this time no i feel like it was very complete we went in some we we uh, we had some tentacles to our conversation yes And now we put the tentacles out there and other people can discuss. Yeah, discuss, um, don't at me. Actually do, I'm Irene Marquette on everything. Follow her on Instagram if you
0: want. Irene's very like intelligent and lovely and uh, has like a really cool brain, I feel like, so.
1: Oh, thanks for saying that, Sarah. Yeah,
0: Yeah, follow me on Instagram. That's what I'm promoting, my
1: (laughs) brand. You know, I'm just trying to rebuild my brand right now.
0: Yeah, if you want Irene to direct anything, she's a lovely director um, and I'll promote her for that.
1: Thank you, thank you, Sarah. (laughs) All All right.
0: Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. Hi all, if you enjoyed this conversation with me and Irene and you want to hear more from Irene, you can. She has her own podcast called The Experts with her friend Aggie and you can join Aggie and Irene on their journey to become experts on a given topic each week. Their first series is about Anna Nicole Smith. You can follow them on Instagram or Twitter at The Experts 69. <laughs>